The scripture reading will be taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It occurs to me that if you go through Psalm 23, you find a sense of everything that we've been talking about beginning this morning, and that is peace in the midst of difficulty, joy in the midst of hardship, and contentment in the midst of not knowing where you're going next. In fact, if you follow even through the difficult passages there in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, as the old King James renders, and you have a picture of this, this crag, this, this uh, chasm where uh, we're going down in the midst of it, to where there's wall on this side and well on this side, and you know that that may be the place where predators might lurk. Even right there at the very beginning of that verse, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the implication is still there. The Lord, my shepherd, is still there with me all the way through to the very end. And as Paul writes the book of Philippians, as we've been looking at this morning, we know that Paul wrote this epistle from a point of a dark time, if you can call it that, in his life. He was there in a Roman prison, being chained to a Roman officer, a Roman guard rather, and he was there writing epistles, trying to encourage the church wherever it was that he could. And in the book of Philippi, or the book of Philippians, writing the church of Philippi, you know that it's an epistle about joy, about Christian joy, no matter what it is that the circumstances entails. But you know, it's a book of joy because it's a book, first and foremost, about having the right mindset. And that mindset is going to carry you through because it is the mind of Christ. Flip back if you're there in Philippians chapter 4, back to Philippians chapter 2. If you look at Philippians chapter 2, at the very beginning, Paul talks about not doing anything through selfishness or a selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than himself. He's already talking about the mindset. Paul, give us exhibit A. Give us example number one. Look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And as he goes through the rest of Philippians chapter 2, he gives several examples of men that you can follow because of their example of humility and strength and relying upon God even to get them through the darkest times. And as we looked at this morning from Philippians chapter 4, there were a number of things that we talked about there in the text of Philippians chapter 4 that you find the, uh, the, the Philippians dealing with or having a special relationship to about how it is that sometimes you have discord or disunity come in among believers. Sometimes it is that our hearts have a tendency to worry. We'll talk more about that here in just a moment. Sometimes it is that there are hardships that we can't avoid and that just seemingly smack us upside the head that we've got to deal with. And there are sometimes that there are those continuing problems, the afflictions that come seemingly again and again and again and again. How do we deal with those things? 
How do we handle those things? How do we come through with our contentment, with our peace, and with our joy intact as Christians? I gave you four of them this morning from Philippians chapter 4. Number one is you got to stand fast in the Lord. I'm resolved that I'm not going to move my feet from where it is that I'm standing. I've got my hope firmly set upon Jesus and where He is. I'm trying to have His mind and realize there's going to come a day that He's going to return to this earth and He's going to receive me up in, as, my, uh, as His own because my citizenship is in heaven, chapter 3, at the very end. It is about taking pleasure and strength, drawing strength from the fact that, brothers and sisters, the unity of Christ in the body of believers is precious. And how it is that as he appendices to verse 2 and 3, he talks about the fact that all of our fellow workers' names are written in the book of life. Folks, we're not on opposite teams. We're not to be shooting from one side of a foxhole to another foxhole and trying to hit our brethren. It's realizing we are all on the same team, fighting the same goal, fighting for the same enemy, and heading toward the same place. It's precious, and it needs to be treated as precious. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. We want to make sure that we're doing our dead level best to keep the unity, the precious unity that's in Christ. Our thankfulness needs to be in our hearts and on our lips every day. About how thankful I am for that flat tire. About how thankful it is that, or I am, that, that uh, I've got another bill in the mail that I wasn't expecting. Thankfulness. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. That includes not only the good times, but the bad times as well. Be thankful. We need to exemplify a spirit of gentleness, moderation, even keelness. That is, I'm not going to let my emotions run away with me. I'm not going to be driven and tossed by a wave because of the fact that things and circumstances are changing my life. My life needs to be characterized by gentleness, by moderation. People know me or need to know me as a person who's not going to fly off the handle at every little thing and fly off the handle whenever things don't go my way. But I am trying to navigate the waters of this life with an even keel, not listening to one side, not listening to the other side. Three more this evening. Number five, embrace God's protection. Embrace God's protection. The sheep know that the shepherd is right there beside him in Psalm 23. As David writes that, you see him walking alongside the shepherd every step of the way. And Paul, giving credence to the same ideas, is looking at this from the perspective of Christians who are trying to preserve their peace and their contentment and their joy in the midst of difficulty. Note what verse 6 says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If I can get you to look at the absolutes just for a moment in verse 6. Look at the absolutes. Be anxious for how much? Nothing. Don't worry about it. Be anxious in nothing, but in how much? Everything. Pray. 
In nothing worry, in everything pray. And notice he gives the result of that in verse 7. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard. Word guard is a military term. Word guard is a military term and it has to do with a watchman standing outside the gates. And as somebody comes walking by, you know that that guard is looking them up and down and seeing if they are a threat to whatever it is that's on the inside, to the inside and the security of that city or that castle or whatever it is he's guarding. It is that he's going to stand there and say, who goes there? When I have a anxious thought, a thought that's going to tend to, uh, to, to tend me, get me down the road of worry. Anybody ever worry? When I begin to have those beginning seeds of thoughts of worrying, what do I need to do? Be anxious in nothing, in everything pray. means in that moment I need to stop and I need to say, God, I don't want to worry about this. God, I want to make sure that I've given this over to you. God, this has been a care and concern on my heart for a long time. I don't know what it is that my health situation is going to do in the next six months. I know the doctor told me to wait until I get the lab results next week. But God, I am anxious about this. I am worried about this. Nobody's ever had a situation like that, have they? And I don't know how things are going to turn out. But God, I'm going to trust in you. God, I'm going to rely upon you. As I do that, as I make my prayers and my supplications, the promise is in verse 7, God is there to protect me, to have a watchman stand outside my heart and my mind so that it is that I don't entertain those thoughts. But instead, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I don't want my feet to get moved. Verse 1. I don't want those things to sweep me off my feet and carry me away down a course where it is it's going to lead me away from God. I want to embrace the Lord's protection. Realize that it's not just about that. It's also about where we let our minds go. Look at verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, as he begins finally. This may be another division, but I see it directly related, especially with the text of what he just said there. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure and lovely and of good report, if there's anything virtuous, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. Sometimes we don't let our minds go to the best of places, do we? Sometimes we entertain things that are ungodly in our minds and our hearts. And so it is if we begin to entertain those things and think about things that are not true or uh, noble or just or pure or lovely, good report, uh, virtuous or praiseworthy, if I begin to let my mind be carried away with some of those things, brothers and sisters, I've wandered away from the shepherd because it is what you're looking there in verse 8 is a biography of our Heavenly Father. It's characteristics of who He is. And what it is that he wants us to do. You want to cross-reference? Write down Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, uh, seek the things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things in the earth. You know what setting your mind on things above is? Verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4. Thinking about the right things. Can I say there's some times that you have things begin to run through your head 
And the first response ought to be, I don't want to think about that and I do not want to go there. I want to make sure that my thoughts are exactly as God wants them to be. I want to make sure that I'm living my life and thinking about things that are going to show that I'm close to the shepherd, that are going to keep my peace, my contentment, and my Christian joy intact. Number six, embrace God's protection, but follow godly examples. It's about who you're following. It's about all who you're following. You're following somebody right now. Did you know that? We're all following somebody. And know what Paul says here in nine. The things which you learned and that you received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. That's the second time he's promised the God of peace. And this promise is based upon who it is that you're following. I want to look at an example of a man or a woman who is following faithfully in the steps of Jesus. I want to look at their example and I want to see the things that, uh, that it was that they teach by their life. And about how it is that they conduct themselves. Paul literally was among them and he could talk about them and say, here's what I gave you. Here's what I showed you. Here's what I taught you. Here's what you saw in me. Go do them. If you live long enough in the service of Christ, the statement that's found in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ, ought to characterize your life and my life. It shouldn't be that you say, no, don't look at me. I'm not a good example to follow. Why not? If you're an example of somebody who's following the shepherd and who's keeping close to him, why can't you say, these things that you've seen in me and heard in me and, and things that I taught you, those things do follow me. And the God of peace will be with you. You ever thought about the fact that your life could be robbing somebody else of their Christian peace, their Christian joy and Christian contentment, because it is that you're not a worthy example to follow? I don't want that to be said for anybody. I don't want that certainly to be said for myself. But following after a godly example means, brothers and sisters, we're looking for godly examples. We want people to imitate. We want people to say, I see their faith. I see how it is that in, even in the midst of hardship and difficulty, this person has the right attitude. This person's not going to be thrown off their feet. They're going to stay even keel all the way through it. Paul says, you see those things in me. You follow them in me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Last one. Trust in the Lord's strength. Trust in the Lord's strength. I can do, note the absolutes, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In the context, he's not talking about, as I often thought as a young man, that he's lifting uh, uh, big cars off of small children. It's not about that. It's not about feats of strength physically. What it is in context is talking about this preserving of contentment. This fact that even if I have everything I need, even if physically I'm completely taken care of, I know how to bound, I'm content. I'm not looking for more and more and more stuff, as some of us are. But at the same time, I, Paul says, I also know how to be abased. I know how to be in the basement apartment. 
I know how to be at the low points of my life. I know how to be even without and suffer need and suffer hunger. I know how to do that, and I can be content even in those situations. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We have a saying sometimes that I'd like to challenge just a little bit. You ever hear the saying or maybe hear somebody say, God's never going to give you more than you can handle? I want to take issue with that, and I want to say biblically that's not true. Biblically, that is not true. Flip in your Bibles just for a moment to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It is true when we talk about temptation. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 talks about the 10 verse 13 rather, talks about the fact that we're not going to be tempted in a situation where we have no opportunity to exit. Every time you're tempted, yes, there is going to be an exit door in the room. That's what 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 promises. But when you talk about what it is that you're given as far as burdens go, look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. Paul says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Anybody ever been in a situation like that? God's not going to give you more you can handle. He did to Paul here, and if I'm understanding 2 Corinthians chapter 1 correctly, I think a more accurate statement to be made is to say, brothers and sisters, God is never going to give you more than he can handle. In those low points and difficult times in your life, it's not a matter of me getting through it because I've got all this inner strength and because God knows exactly how strong I am and I can push the bar just this much and I know that that's just enough I need. It's not about that. It's about saying, God, I cannot handle this by myself. But God, I'm going to trust in your strength to get me through this. God, I'm going to trust in your wisdom to get me through this. God, I'm going to trust in the promises that Jesus made to me to get me through this. I can do all things, Paul didn't stop there, through Christ who gives me strength. Brothers and sisters, God wants us to be people who live our lives full of these qualities. Evidences of us trusting in the Lord as our shepherd and not having any reason to want. Not having anything because He supplies everything to us. And as we close, let me say this. I appreciate people who display these characteristics in their life, don't you? God help us all to be more like people like this. I don't know why things happen the way they do. In our family Bible time, we were reading through Philippians chapter 4 the other night and talking about the virtues and the characteristics of godly people whenever it is that they face trials and difficulties. And I don't know why things happen the way they do, but it is that Monday morning got a call that our sweet sister Pat Bell passed away. And when it was that I got that call, I thought of Philippians chapter 4. And as I prepared this sermon and noticed these things that are standing out here in Philippians chapter 4, I had to say to myself, what an example that she was of each and every one of these things. For those of you that may be newer members or may have not, like me, 
uh, had a very much opportunity to get to know her just about the last year, year and a half or so. Every single one of these characteristics described her and her life. And how it was that you would go and you would see her maybe at the medical resort and she would be saying, joy, joy, joy. And you knew, based upon her disposition, that she was in a lot of pain. And she was going through great trial and difficulty and not understanding why it was that she was suffering. But still relying and trusting on the Lord to see her through as her shepherd. And how it was that she had a wonderful, sweet Christian fellowship that checked on her and cared for her, that she loved dearly and that dearly loved her. And brothers and sisters, I'm... I want to find some great friends like Sister Waymore and so many of you others that took good, such good care of her. About how it is that her thankfulness was always abundant. Her gratitude was always in check. She could always find something to be thankful for. About how it was that she was not going to fly off the handle. You didn't have to worry about that with Sister Pat. She's funny. The very first time we came, I took the kids over to see her at the medical resort. She was there in the bed, and Aaron climbed up in the bed with her and started pushing the buttons, and she, her bed started going like this. And I don't know what that did to her, but she said, "Oh, Aaron, you're going to send me to the moon." But she took it all in strides, and the kids loved her for that. And how it was that she kept her mind and her heart in one continuous prayer to God, and how it was that she followed godly examples and became a godly example in her own right. Brothers and sisters, she got her reward. She knew her citizenship was not here on this earth. Do we? Do we know? Can we say that the Lord is my shepherd? I have everything that I need. If so, your life can be like Sister Pat. Your life can be like Brother Paul. Your life can be something that's not only a glory to God now, but also something that makes you appreciate heaven all the more for when we get there. Thank you so much for your kind attention. If there's anything that you need this evening, if we can help you to live more godly in Christ Jesus as Christians, we'd love to do that. Maybe it is that you're ready to obey the gospel. We'd like nothing better than to assist you in doing that. If it is that you want to know more about the church here, would you like to study with us? We'd love to do that with you as well. Whatever your need, won't you make it known? We're going to stand and sing our invitation song.